Welcome back. Uh, You heard his voice in the previous hour when we were both talking to Ray Long. My guest for almost this entire hour is uh, my friend Richard Reeder. I I had you, what was the name of your book, Richard, about... It was not about the L, the story collection. What was it called? <laughs> oh, what, what was it called? One thousand and one train rides in Chicago. That's right, train yeah. rides in Chicago. One thousand and one, the Ben Hecht. Uh, one thousand sure, afternoons. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about. I know a little bit. Tell the listeners a little bit more about your background. You've had a very interesting background <laughs> before diving uh, fully <laughs> into the world of literature. Uh, yeah, so. Probably half of my career, you know, by career I meant like nine to five job. job. Yeah. Uh, half was in uh, government and, and half was working in social services, both as uh, uh, counselors and, and, and teachers and mentors and then later on administrators. But I worked for the mayor's of- office of employment and training, later named the mayor's office of workforce development, the city of Chicago. For um, twelve years at different times. Which which mayors? Well, I started with Mayor Byrne. Then I worked a little bit in with Mayor Washington. Then I left. I left city government and I became the executive director of the Polish Welfare Association. Mm. Uh, later named the Polish American Association. And for two years, we had the the largest. Um, <clears throat> non-Latino legalization program. This is 1987-1988. We legalized 5,000 people under the old amnesty program. Oh, wow. And and, and also we worked with refugees coming from martial law in Poland. But then I came back with Richard M. Daly to my office. Um, and I worked for the city another f- five years after that. So I, I you worked in government. You've always been, as, I, as long as I've known you, a, a person fully in the world of literature too oh yes yeah. uh, it's not just as hey i like to read books kind of thing it's a little more <laughs> a little more in depth than that yeah yeah no i i've i've uh i've had a literary blog for the last 10 years um i talk about various uh literary events happening not just in chicago around the country around the world um sometimes i put in some of my writing in my literary blog um as you know, I was the president of the board of the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame sure, sure. Uh, for three years. Um, and I currently, well, for the last nine years, I've been doing a, um, moderating a Chicago-themed book club um, at the Cliff Dwellers, um, 200 South Michigan. I've been doing that for, for, for nine years now. Under the auspices of who is that? Under the, under the Cliff Dwellers. Really? Yeah, under the Cliff Dwellers. Yeah, we, and you can go to the Cliff Dwellers website and, and yeah, yeah, and you can any this, that one anybody can come to. It, it, yeah, uh, yeah, you don't have to be a member of the Cliff Dwellers. And we well, that's not one of the things. Let's talk about. We both been there a few times. It's yeah. One of the greatest rooms in the history Abs- of Chicago. Ab- absolutely, and I encourage your audience to to come to some of the events there. Um, and the, the and I also do um, my cousin my cousins own um, Max and Benny's restaurant up in Northbrook. And I started a, a, a Jewish-themed a kind of, with the interest of the Jewish community, a book club that meets at Max and Benny's in the restaurant in the deli. And that's been going on for now. It, it, it was suspended for two years with COVID, but we're starting again with Ron Balson, who you know, Ronald oh Balson. God, Ron's Ron. coming you know, back in, in uh, May 
May 16th at Max and Benny. So that's another thing I do. I moderate. Uh, Ron like Paulson is one of the, he's a lawyer, but uh, has always been interested in writing. He's one of the great success stories. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. He said, and he his first book was self-published, and then yeah. St. Martin's gave him a contract, I think, for five books. Well, I'm, I'm never, not to get off you, but what happened was he, someone bought it here, sent it to their daughter, who was an editor at, I don't know, Crown, Simon & Schuster right. or something. She was re- she said, oh, wait. He said, Mom, why are you giving me a book? And she said, it's the best book I've ever read in my life. <laughs> so this woman was reading it on the train coming into Manhattan from Connecticut or something. And the train conductor, who had never spoken to her in 20 years of riding the train, came up to her and said, that's the best book I've ever read. <laughs> And she started, I think maybe a St. Martin's, but Ron's a wonderful man. Yeah, give him my, very nice man. Give him my best. When did you, I, and writing uh, is a difficult thing. I know you have two other books, two previous books. Correct. This is my third book. Uh, this book is called The Curious Odyssey of Rudolph Bloom. It is a uh, terribly inventive uh the narrative's inventive, I think. The story is wildly inventive, and it is an outgrowth of you teaching one of the most difficult novels. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. It's a tough read. I mean, I've read it twice in my life because I think the first time I didn't understand it. It's easy compared to Finnegan's Wake, Rick. Oh, I agree. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you have taught Ulysses three times. Three times. Why? Well, I, I credit someone by the name of Steve Dietrich, Stephen Dietrich. Uh, I took a class in 2007 at the Newberry Library in their adult education program. And I, like so many other people, were frustrated reading Ulysses. It's, sure. a, it's, a, tough, it's a tough book. Yeah. I took Steve Dietrich's class. It was the best class I ever had on any level. I'm talking better than elementary school, high school, college, graduate school, whatever. It was the best class. And Steve just, he he just, he, he just explained everything about Ulysses that brought out the basic humanity. And the inventiveness of Joyce, how he, how he was, uh, yeah, it was the great modernistic novel of the English language. Had you, had you tackled it, tried to tackle it before? I tried it twice. And never, did you no, finish? No, I, I was, yeah. I was frustrated. I finished. Yeah. I, I finished. But right. I kind of skimmed at the end and I wasn't enjoying it. You know how it is when Absol- you don't enjoy a book. Of course. But with Steve, not only did I enjoy the book, I loved the book. And, um, Steve passed away a couple of years after I took that, that class, and I, it was always a dream of mine to teach Ulysses in Steve's style, which I did. You did it twice at Oakton College, and, and twice at Oakton College, and once for the um, the uh, big book series at the Glencoe Public Library. I launched their big book series. Who was drawn to those classes? People uh, similar, I think. I'm I'm, I'm going to make a generalization here, Richard Reader. That the people who might be drawn to a class like that, as you were first drawn to Dietrich's class, are people who who wanted to understand this certifiably right. great novel. Right, and 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 hopefully, I I gave them some insights that Steve gave me that I could share with them, and uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful book, um, but. 
there was a character in Ulysses, um, if I can get into Absolutely. this. Absolutely, we've got to take a break in a couple okay. of minutes. But yeah. Keep okay, talking. but Leopold Bloom is one of the major characters, a fictional character. It's yes. An, it's a, it's a, it is, Ulysses is a novel. But there was something about Leopold Bloom's father that was really never touched by not just teachers like, like Steve, but also by academics. I mean, there were some pretty prominent academics in Joyce studies, such as Richard Elman. But the mystery about his father, Rudolf Blum, a Jewish man born in the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Habsburg Empire, who lived in, who was born born um, right around the time of the um, uh, the um, his father was 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 just uh, living early. in all these in all these different cities. His well, that, father, that's mentioned in Ulysses, right? I don't recall. Yeah, all exactly. it was mentioned was uh, Leopold Bloom's, Bloom's father, Rudolf, lived in different cities. He lived in Milan. He lived in Bu- in Budapest, Vienna, in Vienna, and London, London, and Dublin, Dublin. And he winds up committing suicide in a small little Irish town called. Ennis, where he was a proprietor of a hotel. hotel. Okay. And uh, why did he commit suicide? Nobody really speculated on that. Why did he convert at the age of 50? Why did he convert from J- Judaism to Christianity? Why? Um, and why did he leave <laughs> Dublin to go to Ennis to buy a hotel? All these were questions out there. And uh, you answer... Well, the great thing about the great thing—that's why I find this so wonderful. Yeah. The great thing about uh, about this book, *The Curious Odyssey of Rudolf Bloom*, is that Richard Reader answers those questions in a fantastic, I think, and uh, fantastically creative and artful way. We will take a commercial break and discuss that at some length. Uh, It's a Mrs. Doyle who finds his body at 9.15 a.m. on June 28th, 1886, leaving you on uh, the proverbial edge of your chair. We'll be back. (laughs) It is less than 100 pages, but it is a richly detailed and wildly inventive and terribly satisfying novella, The Curious Odyssey of Rudolph Bloom, which takes up the story of Leopold Bloom's daddy from James Joyce's Ulysses. That character, who is not mentioned often, if memory serves, in Ulysses, really grabbed you. Right. Grabbed you to the point where you... See, one of the things, Richard Reeder, that I was so impressed by is the... The narrative of this, there, there are a lot of ways you could have written this book. True. Why and, this way? Well, what happens is there is a suicide at the beginning. Of the, I'm not spoiling anything for you. There's a suicide, and uh, and bodies found. They're trying to figure <laughs> out. They're trying to figure out why and different ways of doing this. And uh, but sent off to Oscar Wilde, the famous Oscar Wilde is a manuscript. Uh, and Oscar Wilde writes, chapter 5 begins in Richard Reeder's book, that the letter accompanying this manuscript, Oscar Wilde writes, his letter indicated that his life was a truly fascinating adventure and that a creative man such as myself might find his memoir of interest. The last two sentences of his letter intrigued me immensely. They read... 
Mr. Wilde, you are a man who can understand what life was to me, and that is why I must send this to you. Feel free to change my bad words to make them beautiful. That Those are a couple of nice sentences. <laughs> Uh, he has had you you inventively create the life of Rudolph Bloom, which he details in a portion of the book. Yeah, and and there's just a few mentions of Rudolph Bloom in in in, uh, in Joyce's Ulysses, but um, if Leopold Bloom. Leopold Bloom, who was, is also a character in this yeah, book. and I call him Poldy, Poldy. you know, for, for for Leopold. But um, I think what, what what sparked why I wanted to write a book about Rudolph was there was a book written by a um, uh, an Irish author. Now this is the first prequel, by the way, ever to James Joyce's Ulysses. First ever. Does first, that surprise you? Yes. Yeah, it does it, me it, too. It certainly does. It does me too. Yeah. Now there was a sequel. Uh, written by a, 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 an Irish uh, writer named Peter Costello, and he briefly, Mr. Costello briefly mentions Rudolph Bloom, uh, and Rudolph Bloom was uh, mentioned as first of all a trader, T R A D E R, a trader in in cheap trinkets and beads and things like that. Later on, a money lender, and I said, wait a second, wait a second, Leopold Bloom is such a uh, curious character. He's a character that exudes humanity. He's a character that has complexity of thought, interested in so many different things. His f- he had to be influenced by a father who had similar interests, curiosity, to, 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 to really inculcate that to his son. And so I said, I'm going to create someone, a character, uh, that is going to be one of the more interesting people in the 19th century. And when you think about where, what and where <laughs> Rudolf Loom was in this book, in all the different places and all the different kinds of occupations well, and he all did. The diff- and, the, and, the, and, and the two major relationships of his life. Absolutely. Uh, talk, talk about the first one. Okay. <laughs> well, see, the first one did not result in the birth of uh, Leobold Bloom, that's for sure. Uh, what was it? Well, uh, the first relationship. So I made the book in, into, I don't want to give away too much yeah, sure, no, ab- about no, the no, book, no, but I made, it, I made it into a parody of a late Victorian sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, and Rudolph, who didn't marry until midlife, until he was in his 50s, which was more than midlife in the 19th centuries, he was a man, he was a gay man. Yeah, he yep. was he was a gay man, and 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 he not only had a love of his life, a, a, a man who was love of his life, but it was a man who was physically who didn't have great physical attributes. He was he was a, a deformed, he was a hunchback, um, and he found beauty in in that man in that relationship. That yeah, was his it, first. It's so seriously, this book exists. It's, it's as I said, it's less than a hundred pages, and there's a lot going on here. Yeah. There is a lot going on here. Was it 
Was it fun to create the characters such as Mrs. Must have been great. F- absolutely, uh, absolutely. Mrs. Doyle, for Ms. instance, is a charmer. I find. Uh huh. Yeah the the lady who took care of the hotel back in 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 Ennis. And I'm just trying to think of 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 who is this this a widow, but she really cared about the proprietor. And and he he spoke. He wasn't he wasn't an Irishman. He was he became an Irishman through through marriage and, and relocation. But he spoke in this this German accent, and Miss and Mrs. Doyle was a a, a a conscientious Irish woman who who wanted to make sure that business ran well. And you could, I just wanted to create that in her character. Here, here is her speaking. Here, here is her voice after again nine fifteen a.m. discovering a buddy. She writes that Mr. Bloom was always the gentleman. He made me feel more like a family member than the manager of his hotel. He was such an interesting man, having lived in so many different places in the world, grand cities such as Vienna and Florence. I found his unusual accent quite charming, although it was a bit hard to understand all the words he said. I, she's a charmer. I found her. <laughs> I, I found her really delightful. There's also a constable in this thing. There is right. a lawyer, uh, Inspector O'Neill. This just must have been a joy. What was the writing like? Because it is, you know, you're bouncing things around, and and writing, did it come easily to you? Writing fiction, I find it's such a fascinating process, Rick. Yeah, writing fiction, uh, it's something I hadn't done right re- re- really until you know I turned about seventy, um, and it, it's just so. The characters, the, I always heard that the characters are going to come live. You're going to create characters. And as I was writing, the character was coming live. Mm. And, and, and there, there was Rudolph, there was Mrs. Doyle, there were all the ancillary characters. And then. When and how I, does Bram Stoker, <laughs> Bram Stoker and uh, Oscar Wilde come into well, your they, mind? Well, they were, they were, they were ex, they were born, both born in Dublin, Protestants born in Dublin who mm-hmm. wind up uh, in London. And it gets into, it gets into this whole parody of, of late Victorian sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both married to women. But they were close friends back in college at Trinity in Dublin, and they stayed close friends. And um, I talked about the club that they were a member of, yeah, and uh, yeah. so I. But I, I always loved Oscar Wilde, and I wanted to try to get Oscar Wilde's voice as his voice in, in the book, and and I, I. And I, I hope I was successful. And the same thing with Stoker. And and really, Stoker and Wilde were good friends. But once Stoker, in after Wilde was convicted when he had his, his um, affair, his but, affair, yeah. and and uh, he went to jail. And Stoker, Stoker didn't want anything to do with his good buddy, his friend for yeah. life. And and he he, he uh, so I wanted to really make. I really wanted to make Wild kind of a, a a decent fellow and Stoker more of a rogue. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I'm trying to find this section. I should be able to find this stuff easily. Uh, it's where Oscar Wilde says here. You know, Bram Stoker says, I would not be concerned about that, Mr. Stoker. This library is, well, I, I'm going to read it later. <laughs> okay. But uh, 
here is when uh, Leopold Bloom is born. Okay, ready for this? Our boy came into the world at the comb lying in hospital, tiny and a bit jaundiced, but otherwise healthy. We named him Leopold in honor of my father, who would have been horrified at his namesake's baptism at the Church of St. Nicholas without, and the decision to foreign circum- to forego <laughs> circumcision, a practice that Ellen considered primitive and barbaric. Uh, that is just a bit of Richard Reader's A Curious uh, Odyssey of Rudolph Bloom. Rudolph Bloom does come off in this book, ladies and gentlemen, as a fascinating fascinating character and that is absolutely richard to your credit inspired by that uh wildly difficult the book uh ulysses by james joyce which took me two reads to get through and into i did not have uh richard reader nor <laughs> his mentor uh, Stephen, in this case Stephen diedrich to light the way for me uh, you must understand that Richard Reeder's new book, The Curious Odyssey of Rudolph Bloom, which is a fictionalized tale of Leopold Bloom's dad, if uh, Ulysses is uh, tough to get into, this is a this is a joy to get into, and it it should not uh, intimidate you. It's less than a hundred pages. It is uh, written in a forthright and compelling fashion and do you find richard of people said oh man i I didn't like i couldn't even get into ulysses why do i want to read about his dad have you found anybody (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely it's it's a it's a fun read it is a fun read and it's a very it's it's a story with some depth of course but it's also a fun read it's a you know, early on, they're trying to you know, figure out why he killed himself and or, or how he did it. And you do learn in the end, and you meet Bram Stoker before yeah. he he writes you writes Dracula. Uh, <laughs> I've got these minor characters in there, kind of Zelig uh, like, like Karl Marx walking his dog right, on right. Hampton Heath. <laughs> You went over. You went to Ireland to research this, did you? Um, well, I went to Ireland to go to Bloomsday um, at the James Joyce Center and to go to the Abbey Theater. But uh, as since I was in Galway, not too far from Ennis, I decided to uh, to go to Ennis and do some research. Were they helpful? Oh, wonderful librarian. Um, Mr. Byrne, Peter Byrne, was an excellent librarian. He had all these these. Uh, 1886 uh, June June 28th 1886 newspapers out for me on microfiche and he walked me around I saw the Queen's Hotel which was still there it's some kind of coffee shop downstairs now Um, but uh, yeah wonderful librarian just a wonderful librarian who uh, I thanked uh, profusely in the acknowledgments yeah what's noodling around in your literary brain these days (laughs) I mean this must be very satisfying for you and I think as we've just talked over this 45 minutes, and it came once you got the story that you wanted to tell, I yeah. think it probably came fairly easily for you and characters would pop into your head and you'd put them on the page. Yeah, 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 that's that's true. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some short stories, Chicago-themed short stories, and I always have on my mind, uh, well, maybe there's the great Chicago novel, a fictional account of something, the great Chicago novel. Here I, here I am at a certain age, a septuagenarian, just like, just like Rudolph Bloom, mm-hmm. and maybe this septuagenarian has 
has another novel. Maybe uh, this is novella. Maybe I have a novel in me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Let I me ask know. you. I mean, I'll toss out, you know, Adventures Volume March and some others. Uh, you think there anyone's come close to writing what would, and this is a stupid question, it's a stupid concept, uh, the great Chicago novel. No. Yeah. No. No, and, and and I was the guy behind uh, the Bellow Centennial. I mean, I I taught Bellow and all that thing, and I I, I liked him as a novelist. Yeah. Uh, did he write the great <clears throat> Chicago novel? I don't think Augie March is the great Chicago novel. None no. of Bellow's novels are no, the great Chicago, and certainly Nelson Algren's are not the great Chicago novel. Yeah. Uh, Meyer Levin did some good work, mm-hmm. but uh, Ben Heck never really did. He was he wrote a couple of novels, but they they didn't really they weren't that successful not like his short stories um no i don't think it's been written it's probably going to be a different generation but no the great chicago novel has not been written yet interesting what what other things are you teaching what kind of teaching assignments are well i i taught about four i've been teaching through i was i taught at the newberry library the last few years uh their adult education program so i taught a a a class on ralph ellison's invisible man Mm. I co-taught a class on William Faulkner, um, and I uh, I taught a class. I called it uh, "Crime and Punishment in, Chico- in, in Chicago." That's and, a good title for yeah, a class. What you we, teach in there? Richard 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 Wright, Richard Wright's Native Son and Meyer Levin's um, <clears throat> Compulsion. Um, so those are the kinds of classes that I that I've taught, and of course, um, I have not taught Ulysses for a few years, but now I've created uh, something that has been acknowledged by Joycean Studies as an important piece of scholarship. So so I read something that Trinity College put out, um, Modernistic Joyce's Studies, and my book, this novella, got got into it. Yeah, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm glad. You were telling me that this is the only... The only, the only, yes, the, the only prequel to Ulysses in 100 years. I am so stunned by that, because that book is, is certainly a, a, a influential, I don't know if people do the style of writing, but an incredibly influential book in this uh, century. Mm-hmm. Uh, why no? It just took you. It took, it a, creator, took, a, it took a hundred it took, years. Took a kid from Mather High School. Kid from Mather High School. A kid from Mather High School. <laughs> <laughs> when you went there, was Wolfie's across it? Was Wolfie's on Peterson? That was yeah. there, right? Right. Sure. I lived on London, California. I took Jerry's bus down Calif- California Avenue to Mather High School. Mm. <laughs> well, did someone spark your initial? interest in literature because you are one of the most well-read and interesting guys to talk to about books i had a high school teacher he was a latin teacher Mm -hmm. uh his name was david bush and david bush everybody took his class because it was an easy it was an easy class he gave you know you got a top, top grade and all that but he would he would talk about literature he would talk about latin for 10 minutes and for you know 40 minutes he would talk about literature mm. and he was the guy i think that just influenced me as a teenager to start reading and you know diverse reading and 
and I just had a wonderful, just a wonderful teacher in high school. Yeah, Not he, an English he, teacher, a Latin yeah. teacher. Yeah. He he became you know the spark for me. For, Probably for certainly literature. not around anymore. But no, he would, no, he, he was a be, wonderful man. He would be quite proud of you. And the book is also it's a very handsome design. Who's the publisher? Um, Propertius Press. It's Propertius. a yeah, Propertius Press, and uh, they did a beautiful yeah, job with beautiful, this. Beautiful, small, woman-owned indie publishing house in Virginia. They publish uh, a dozen books a year, and uh, I sent it to her and. Um, um, Susanna, the um, the um, publisher, said, uh, "I love the voices. I loved uh, the voice for Fantastic. your main character, and I love the voice for Oscar Wilde and and Bram Stoker." One of the great things now, when someone ever asks a person, uh, "Have you ever read Ulysses?" You can say, "No, no," I, but I read the, <laughs> the better book, The Curious Odyssey of Rudolph Bloom. And it's a book for every person. <laughs> that that is no question. Do not be intimidated by this. It's accessible and entertaining as uh, any book I can remember reading. Richard, it's always a pleasure to oh, see you. Oh, Rick, thank you for always having, a pleasure to see you. Thank you for having me on. I do my, appreciate my it. pleasure. It's a pleasure to read you too. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll find out about an event uh, in Edgewater Saturday. <laughs> 